Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will empower and inspire you. All right, we're going to talk in this message this morning about dealing with debt, dealing with debt. Romans chapter 13 and verse 7 is our text. It's going to come up on the screen and it says, give to everyone what you owe him. If you owe him taxes, pay taxes. No, that's controversial. If it's revenue, then revenue. If it's respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Here's our key line. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. Give to everyone what you owe him. Let no debt remain outstanding. When I married Gillian uh, at the tender age of 23, Gillian had just turned 20 when we got married. Uh, we, we got engaged when she was 19. I know many parents out there are saying that's too young, but it's actually biblical. But the Bible says that you should train a child in the way she should go, and when she's older, she won't depart from it. So I wanted to get her while she's still trainable, you know. And... Um, <laughs> That was a total failure, by the way. Um, uh, we got married when we were very young, when we were very young, and uh, yeah, it is alarming. And when we got married, when we got married, uh, I had just finished, or well, was in the process of finishing, four years of voluntary Christian work. So basically, I was working, you know, what we call by faith and just believing God for our, my needs, and then when we got married, our needs to be provided, and God was miraculously faithful, and I think it developed the faith arm of my life. When I got married, I was offered a job in our local church, and I became the youth pastor, so now we were actually receiving a salary. This was new to me. I'd earned money when I was very, very young, uh, when I first left school, but for four years, had not had a salary, and it was new. One of the things that were part of my salary allowance was a vehicle proportion. They gave us money and uh, then it was to empower me as a youth pastor to be able to have a vehicle. So they gave me this allowance and someone came to me and said, you know, you should, you should buy a decent car, then you won't have to worry about it. So we went out and we got a car and we financed it and we had the money coming in for it and so it looked good. And then Jillian uh, went to university and so when she went to university, uh, obviously, you know, there was with that a whole new set of opportunities. You could borrow money for the fees. We did that. Then they gave you an automatic $2,000 uh, overdraft on your account. It just appeared. Uh, they gave you what's called a student credit card, which is just the stupidest thing on the face of the earth. Um, and so we had an overdraft. Then we have a credit card. And, you know, after we'd been married for maybe one or two years, it kind of reached a point where I realized that everything was coming in and everything was going out. You know, we, we weren't dying, but we, were just, we weren't getting anywhere. We were just treading water, like little, just keeping our head above water as the money came in and the money came out. So I sat down 
and I created an Excel spreadsheet that we used for 18 years to run our finances. We've just modified it. I've gone to a whole nother level. Um, you know, in recent times, I've been looking over David's shoulder when he's been working on Excel, understanding nothing but uh, improving. And, uh, you know, we ran the spreadsheet for 18 years, and I quickly realized that what we were doing was not going to get us anywhere. So I realized it was time to make some decisions. We sold the car. When we sold the car, we sold it and lost money in selling it. So we had debt and no vehicle. I bought a car that was an absolute piece of junk, drove it for a long period of time, and while we had that car, you know, people would look at you and you're kind of like gone from this great car to this absolutely terrible car. But I quickly realized that owning a vehicle was the fastest way to lose potential income. In fact, since that moment, we have owned, in 19 years of marriage, five cars. In the last 15 years of marriage, we have owned two vehicles. Our current vehicle we have had for six years and it's always been our target that we will never own a vehicle for less than a seven year period of time. We took the student overdraft. We took the student credit card, took the debt that we had on the car we no longer owned and formed one loan that you could put the money into, but it wasn't like an overdraft of a credit card. You could never get the money out. We spent the next period of time in our marriage paying off that debt before we were ever able to move forward financially. It was painful, it was difficult, it wasn't easy, but I'm so grateful for that period and our finances because by the age of maybe 25 or so, I had at least grown up and realized that there is a massive problem in our culture in this arena of debt. Now, the Bible is abundantly clear about debt. It says, let no debt remain outstanding. By the end of this message, you'll realize that that scripture is in no way unique. The Bible acknowledges debt, but its overwhelming counsel to us is get rid of debt as fast as you can. Now, in our culture, we have all forms of debt. We have mortgage debt. I'm, I'm not saying that's bad, but it but does mean, by the way, mortgage means death, mort, mortuary, death, death. Gauge is the word grip. So the word mortgage literally means in the grip of death. I'm just, just saying it, you know, just putting it out there. It's not a very nice word when it's translated to English, which is why no banks mortgage, uh, market it as an English word. We have mortgage debt. We have student debt, loans, living expenses, credit cards, overdraft. We have higher purchases available for every form of purchase today. We have credit cards debt. We have a massive one that is just growing, I think, in the last 10, 20 years at a, a phenomenal rate as we've drifted away from principles of living that we were raised with, unpaid bills debt, where people are prioritizing their own lifestyle over the, the bills that they've already accumulated. Debt is everywhere, and debt has become easy to get. There are more and more new ways for people to access debt 
all the time. And it doesn't seem to me like no matter what the government tries to regulate it with, people just find another way of getting into debt over here. They say that in America, I don't know this you know, factually, so I'm just saying that this is anecdotal, but at the time of the global financial crisis in 2008, out of every three workers in the United States of America, one of them was working in some form of industry associated with finance, debt. And this is why we end up with a global financial crisis. And the truth is about debt is that whenever we end up in debt, the impact of it is that you hand part of your life, your, the, the control of your life and the opportunities of your future over to someone that you now become indebted and bonded to. That is the impact of debt. I was trying to explain to my children debt, and I was saying debt is basically the fact that whatever I bring in, I have to give it to somebody else to pay for something that I already have, and the impact is that I can do less today. When we are in debt, we become bonded to somebody else, or as Proverbs puts it, in Proverbs 22 verse seven, it says the borrower is slave to the lender. That's a very challenging word. The borrower is slave to the lender. And I guess if you wanted to put what debt means for us in our lives into one nutshell, I certainly didn't invent this, it's commonplace, but you are never really free until you are debt free. You are never really free until you are debt free. Now as a Christian, obviously, this is synonymous with my faith. We sang a song about Jesus and the fact that he because of his death on the cross has paid my debt and set me free. This is the very core of our Christian faith because we are now free because of the one who has paid our debt, right? And we are never really free until we are debt free. Debt is incurred. How do we get debt? Well, the answer is we get debt, we, debt is incurred when we purchase something that we cannot afford to pay totally for right now. That's the fundamental reality. I'm not meaning, meaning to be rude. It's just the absolute truth. I want something. I don't have the total amount of money I need to own it, purchase it outright right now. So I get debt in order to buy something that in reality I cannot actually afford. I mean, uh, you, know, uh, you know, with us, one of the things that we, we uh, had to deal with when we first got married was that they gave Jillian this $50 a week as a, as a wife uh, at the age of 20, uh, which freaked everybody at university out when she was a first year university student and married, uh, but they gave her 50 bucks a week, and so we took that $50 a week and we bought a lounge suite, stupid, but we bought a lounge suite because we wanted to make sure that our home looked good, uh, and we bought it on higher purchase or interest-free. There's no such thing as interest-free, by the way. It's just a higher purchase price in order to get you to buy it and not think that you're actually paying any interest. Uh, you know, we want a fridge, and so rather than, you know, looking around for a second-hand one, we just gotta go out and buy one. I mean, today, you know, we get in debt 
with anything you want to buy from the warehouse, farmers, freedom furniture, they've all got cards. Uh, you know, we've got to have a car, it's got to be reliable. So we end up in debt, we've got to have an education, and so we've got a student loan, and oh, we can draw down money for living expenses. Doesn't really matter, we're going to earn a lot of money in the future, really. Um, uh, <laughs> You know, we got all these forms. You know, we want a holiday. And so people, you know, literally borrow money sometimes for holidays to get married, for the wedding, for the ring. Uh, you know, now you can even go into a store and you can buy clothes. I mean, talk about a depreciating asset. They're literally gone within a year, but you can buy it on credit. Stupidest thing I've ever heard. Um, you know, you can, you can get in debt to buy a house. And I'm not saying that's bad to get a mortgage, but if you you'd just keep ratcheting it up and leveraging higher and, you know, just get bigger, bigger, better, faster, then some point or another, you're giving a disproportionate amount of your available opportunities, which is what cash is in my hand, in order to go towards servicing a house that I actually sometimes will be better just to have a smaller one or a less desirable one, but one that will free me up, you know? People get in debt for investment, and sometimes that can be helpful, but oftentimes it is a tremendous source of grief and pain. Now, the Bible is not clear that all debt is bad. It doesn't say that, but it is definitely overwhelmingly counseling us that we should avoid debt. And once we've got it, that we should get rid of it as fast as possible. So let me talk to you about why we as people tend to not live within our means, and we do tend to end up in debt, and a lot of them are pretty just done obvious. The first reason why people end up in debt is because of a natural aptitude to spending. Anybody out there just willing to say, I am very gifted at spending, can I get a little wave? If you were to ask me what's my financial profile as a person, are you a saver, are you a spender, you know, are you a hoarder, what kind of person are you? I would say that when it comes to money, I am an optimistic visionary spender. I mean, <laughs> that would be my po natural personality profile for a bunch of reasons. Firstly, I'm optimistic. Show me five numbers, I see the good one. Always, that's always that keeps me going sometimes in this role, but sometimes it can be a problem. I'm visionary. I see how that purchase can change my life. <laughs> and thirdly, I actually really enjoy spending money. It gives you that little kind of kick of like, yeah, you know, I spent some money today. I feel really good about that. Um, you know, I mean, when Jillian and I built our house uh, five and a half, six years ago, uh, we took a portion of our mortgage and we've put it into what's called a revolving mortgage, you know? And the, the, the desire was that we would just pay that bit down really fast. Well, I quickly learned that revolving was exactly what it was doing. It was going up <laughs> and it was going down. It was a roller coaster mortgage was what it was until I went to the bank and I said, hey, make that bit invisible, so it's technically revolving, but actually we can put money in, but it's very, very intentional if we ever wanna get money out. And you know when it comes to me, I will always be me, but I can manage me. And starting at the age of 25 for the last 17 years, I'm still John, but I'm living within my means and not getting into bad problems because I'm dealing with that natural aptitude for spending. The second reason why we end up in debt is discontentment. 
Discontentment is rife in our culture. It is enormous in our culture. It is a pandemic in our New Zealand society. Come on, in Whangarei, you can say we're really content because the weather is perfect, and it is, and I resent it. <laughs> but you all want that boat, and if you've got a boat, you want a better boat, and you're all looking at that you know, new fishing rod, and I know exactly how you think. You could catch more fish with that one, and we're all discontented at some level or another. And discontentment literally is defined in the dictionary as a restless longing for better circumstances. To be discontented is to have a restless longing for better circumstances. And all our getting, we are a generation of getters. And for all the things we can get and all the purchases we can make, we are not happier. And in Philippians chapter four, the apostle Paul gives us what a secret, or he speaks of a secret that I reckon you and I, we all need to learn it. He said, I have learned the secret of being content in every and every situation. Whether I have a lot or whether I only have a little bit, I am still content. And in life, I don't believe there's anything more powerful that we can ever learn than to be content. And, and I don't know about you, but I find in my life that the less contentment I'm experiencing, the more longings that I have, normally the less connected I am to my Savior. It is a lack of God that generally awakens within us this want to fill the void in our lives that can only be filled by Him. Can I get an amen? In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, the Bible puts it to it like this. I want you to read with me on the screen. Take some time. Godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. If we have food and clothing, fundamental needs, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation, and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction, aka ridiculous levels of debt. Get content, deal with debt. Number three, comparison. Comparison has become a major problem for us all. Keeping up with the Joneses. We rock up at school, we look at the car that they drive, the clothes that they wear, the house that they own. We're at university, high school. If I had those kicks, I would be, you know, get more compliments at Elevate, you know. And I tell all of our youth pastors, don't focus on the shoes, focus on the character, focus on the person. Comparison will kill you. Uh, in, a, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, it says, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves, oh, he's got five pair of Chucks, they've got three pairs of Jordans, he's got a 1988 you know, car, they've got a 2008 car. When they measure themselves, by themselves, compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. The Bible's literally saying when I'm looking at the car you're driving, the house you have, and comparing it with the life I am, 
then I am stupid. That's what the Bible's saying. You're an idiot when you live your life that way. Um, you know, my, my father-in-law likes to talk about key phrases, and one of the things he talks about is conspicuous consumption. The fact that we're looking at everybody else's spending. It's become what we look at. And the irony of this is that the wealthiest people I know don't spend their lives trying to spend the money they have, trying not to spend their money they have, and not just in New Zealand, but globally, often the wealthiest people I meet, you would never know they are wealthy when you meet them. While the majority of the populace is getting in disproportionate levels of debt, trying to look like they have money, the wealthy are out there trying to look like they don't have money. And Proverbs 13 verse 7 is really clear. One guy pretends to be rich, yet he has nothing. He's in debt. Another pretends to be poor, yet because he hasn't purchased seven pairs of Air Jordans in the last year, he's actually got some money in the bank. That's what the Bible is saying. It's so clear. The next reason why we end up in debt is covetousness. It's one of the 10 commandments. One of the 10 commandments. Don't covet your neighbor's wife. It goes on, don't covet his house. And whenever covetousness is allowed in our hearts, then we will go beyond natural boundaries to get what we covet. We will sin. And one of those ways is to, is to get in debt. The next one is decisions, decisions. Listen, for every young person in our church, it is so crucial, not just young, but phenomenally important that we learn in this age where everybody is busy telling you that you have the faults, responses, temper problem, you know, whatever in your life because of what other people have done to you. There is validity in the fact that we're all broken people dealing with the pain of our past, but we must realize that our actions today have consequences for our tomorrow. Decisions decide destinies. Decisions have ramifications. I believe with all my heart that one of the reasons why our generation is getting into such crazy amounts of debt is because they've never been taught that. And the impact of everybody as a victim is spiraling levels of debt as a result, the next reason why we end up in debt, we're gonna to get to some good things in a second, stay with me, is ignorance, is ignorance. We get in debt because we don't know the danger of debt or the nature of what we are doing. I will always be thankful for the fact that at least at the age of 25, 23, whatever it was, I can't remember the exact time, that Jillian and I woke up and said, wow, what we have done has been really stupid. Proverbs chapter six, verse one puts it like this. My child, if you've put up security for a friend's debt or agreed to, to guarantee the debt of a, stranger, of a stranger, if you have trapped yourself by your agreement and accord with what you said, follow my advice and save yourself for you have put your, placed yourself at your friend's mercy. Now swallow your pride. Go and beg to have your name erased. Don't put it off, do it now. Don't rest until you do. Save yourself like a gazelle escaping from a hunter, like a bird fleeing from the net. 
Now, these verses are obviously used in relationship to guaranteeing somebody else's debt, which, by the way, don't ever, 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 ever do that. Don't ever, 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 ever do that. Don't ever, 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 ever do that. Never guarantee somebody else's debt. Maybe if it was for my own nuclear child, but never outside of that. Never guarantee another's debt. It's commanded in the Bible. It's in the book of Proverbs. But Solomon is saying, if you've been silly, ignorance is real, but deal with your ignorance and your folly as quickly as you possibly can. The seventh reason, last one, we'll get to some good stuff now, is the reason why people end up in debt is because of a lack of vision. Generations have been in debt, always lived at the same level, and the Bible puts it pretty clear, where there is no vision, the people perish. Over the series, one of the things I'm gonna deal with in the, in the next few weeks that we really wanna just do is just highlight for people, where do you wanna go financially? What's God's plan for you? Does God want you to just live in the same spiral of debt or does God have something greater? And I believe God does. And when vision comes to a life, it's amazing how you'll endure a lot of discomfort in the here and now. So how do we deal with debt? The first way that you and I can deal with the debt in our own lives is to own where you are. Own where you are. Ah, you will never change what you do not own. Hello? It's pretty quiet in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> Hamilton, I can hear your silence. It's eerily quiet. You know, we've got to make sure that we own where we are. I mean, you know, one of the most horrible moments in my week is sitting down with that spreadsheet sometimes and realizing that all the things I want to do, I can't. Because if, I want, if I'm gonna do all of those, it's gonna be at the expense of what I could do tomorrow. And I have to just go, oh well. But you know, you gotta come back and say, I've gotta own it. Take time to go over every financial aspect of your life. Review it. Not have a one point where you can see everything. We'll talk about that in the weeks to come. The second one is choose the future over the present. If we wanna get out of debt, we've gotta choose the future over the present. This is so important. Practice delayed gratification. Delayed gratification. Choosing to go without today so that you can have tomorrow. Drive a car that is a piece of rubbish so that you can own a home one day in the future. Driving a rubbish car doesn't make you a rubbish person. It means you're choosing the future over the present. Good preaching, amen. Oh, you know, for Jillian and I, we lived for seven years in a, a, a little tiny cottage in a no-exit street that was closed by the police. Every year we lived there, it was closed by, don't listen, you and Helen, it's your daughter, but they, they, they closed by the police. 
every year at least once because someone had a gun or a machete or a knife wandering up and down the street. But the reason why we lived there was we were choosing our future over having a nicer house in the present. And we live now in a much better home than that because it's easy to, but the reason why was because we made tough decisions about the future. The next thing that we've got to do is if we want to deal with debt is church, and this is so important, is we've got to make debt decisions. Make debt decisions. What do you, I'm, I'm, I'm saying you personally, what do you believe about debt? What will your approach be to debt? What's your debt decision? Make one today. If you're studying, Will you draw down living expenses on your student loan or get a part-time job? You know, young people, I believe education is hugely important, but you do not want to spend the next period of time in your life paying off a fifty dollars or $100,000 student loan just because you had a great life when you're at university. And it's interest-free today, but it wasn't when Jillian studied and it might not be tomorrow. Um, let me ask you another question. Will you have a credit card? What's your, what's your debt decision? Will you have a credit card? I mean, when Jillian and I realized what the credit card was doing to us and locking us into that cycle, we just cut it up. Now, we did end up with another one uh, many years later in our marriage because we needed to buy things online and we travel a lot, and so it became this necessary thing, but it was still something I was never happy with. So the moment Visa debit cards came out, we chopped up that card, we get sent pre-approval letters, we just throw them in the bin. I don't want to have a credit card. As your pastor, it's my decision that to be an example, especially to the young people in our church, that Jillian and I will not have a credit card. I believe that unless you're in that little 1% of savers, you should not have one. Let me ask you a question. Will you hire purchase something? What's your debt decision? Decisions decide destinies. Choose today whom you will serve. And I, I mean, Jillian and I sat down many years ago and we just decided we will never hire purchase again. So that's just a decision that we have made. I will lay by things. In fact, I, I lay by the shirt I'm wearing today. I put it on lay by, I paid it off. I will save for things. I will even lay by something, but when it gets to my home, I own it. My debt decision personally is that the only debt I'm prepared to have is my mortgage. Now, I'm not saying that that should apply to everybody else, but as a pastor, I never want to get in debt because of investments and risk my role here. So that's my decision to live conservatively so that I never have to stop doing this. Um, next thing I think that's really important for us to consider is to spend slowly. I mean, Jillian kind of like knows what's gonna happen now. When we go into the store, she tries something on. She doesn't even buck against it anymore. She knows, because she's so bad with money. That's not true at all. I'm, I'm throwing her under the bus just for fun, because and we need to have something that you laughed at. Um, and, and that's true, right? We really did. Um, but you know, whenever I go in, every store I ever go into, I never ever walk in, buy it, walk out. I will always walk in, look at it. Just when they think they've got me signed off, I'll say, can you put it on hold? Doesn't matter what it is. Walk away and then ask. 
God, do you want me to buy that? If I didn't buy it, what else could I use that money for? Slow down, spend slower. Proverbs chapter 19, verse two. Enthusiasm without knowledge is not good. Haste makes mistakes. Listen to it. People ruin their own lives by their foolishness and then get angry at God. In the Bible. Um, awkward. God doesn't provide for me. He did, but you spent it. Um, Number five, I'm, I'm finishing, it's okay, we'll get lunch soon. <laughs> We're gonna have salad. Um. <laughs> Worst two weeks to be in church ever, right? I'm just hoping anybody turns up for church next week. Um, number five, number five, change now. Change now. Change now. Listen, if your credit card is a revolving cycle, pull it out of your wallet, fold it until that strip is broken, take the chip, crush it under your foot, get rid of it. Change now. Hide your revolving mortgage. Go through that awful journey of paying off the debt you already have as your first priority before you do anything else. If there is a temptation area in your life, deal with it. Not next month, not next year, right now. And the last one, as we bring this all to a close, is get advice. Get advice. How should we conduct ourselves? We should make sure that we are getting advice. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14 is a verse that God has been speaking to me about for every area of my life over the last two years. For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but many advisors make victory sure. Many advisors make victory sure. Let's put it another way. Can anybody tell you what to do with your money? I'm not talking about, you know, friends, family. I'm talking about someone you respect. If, if there's no advice, then victory is not sure. This is what the Lord said to me about Arise. He said, if, if many advisors make victory sure, then not many advisors make victory uncertain. So over the last two years, we've been purposefully making sure that someone is giving us advice about every area of our church, just upskilling ourselves and getting advice. For the last maybe 17 years, I've been seeking out help from a financial mentor, and that has meant a lot in my own journey, changed my approach towards finances, and been a massive source of wisdom and right direction for Jillian and I personally. And I believe that every person needs to get advice. Now listen, if you're a wage or salary earner, and you probably will never own your own company, then don't seek out the person in our church who is called to entrepreneurism and business ownership. You just gotta look for that faithful person, that man or woman in the church who may be in their 50s or 60s, gray hair, but you are just aware that they are living, they own their home, 
They're paying it down. Their life is moving forward. Slow journeys towards wealth are the best and most certain journeys towards wealth. If you wanna get rich quick, you'll probably die trying. It's very important that we get advice and we get advice from the right people. I'm mad at debt. Debt is horrible. There is only one source, one person who's delighted at your debt and that is the devil. The truth of our faith is that Jesus came to deal with our debt. God hates debt. He wants to free you from debt, free your life from debt, empower your future. God's every desire is to bless our lives. Come on, do you believe that today? Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube.